4: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
1: Warm from welcome to
8: Lovely Las Vegas, the Baseball Betting Show. With myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts, we've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment, I am going to be joined by Josh Ingalls. He does a great job over at Coverts, covering a little bit of everything, ironically enough. This time of year, he does a great job with baseball. He's getting ramped up for the NFL season. He's going to be doing a great job in the NHL as well when we wind up getting that in season. So we're going to be chatting with him in the second segment. Just about this card in general, whether or not to wind up betting on some of these games, which, well, you've got some teams that are out of the fold in terms of the playoff picture. Is there a little bit of value with those games? Trying to reduce the juice and. Games with very demonstrative money lines like we're going to be seeing in Mets versus Nationals and so much more. So we're going to have a great chat with Josh in the second segment. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday. As we touch them all, first things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one or two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind letters M. I mean, it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a great day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better.
0: The games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
8: Got a lot of teams that are fighting for playoff spots right now. And the Blue Jays, they're fighting to be able to maintain in the wild card chase. And, well, it helps when you wind up going up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They take down the Buccos by a count of 4-0. Boba he gets home run number 18 of the season. That comes off of Yohan Ramirez to be able to offer a little bit of insurance as Ramirez gives up two runs in an inning. And Yohan Oviedo and Tyler Beatty pretty much piggybacked off of each other. Oviedo, three scoreless innings and in the Beatty as he's been doing all pretty much since he's become a starter slash long guy. Gave up a runs. Two runs over the course of three innings. J.C. Young, two scoreless innings. Not sure why he's not getting starts right now, but Alec Manoa Manolo, what he was pretty darn good. 7 to third inning, scoreless. He wound up getting six punch-outs. Tim Mays, a pair of outs out of the bullpen. At Adam Simber, a scoreless ending out of the bullpen. The Chicago White Sox, they're looking to make a playoff push. And yeah, Joe Kelly has an opener. And after Joe Kelly provided a poopy open, the close was pretty darn good. 4-3. to three. White Sox wind up being able to get it done thanks to being able to have a walk-off hit in this one as he wound up having Mr. Jose Abadeu ground into a fielder's choice that was able to score a run as Yasmani Grandal wound up setting that up. He gets home run number four of the season off of Kyle Fieldbar, who's been relatively solid out there in the Minnesota Twins bullpen. He gave up a run in the ninth inning, and Ode Lopez gives up that run in the ninth inning as Sonny Gray... Was not long for this game, giving up two runs over the course of four innings. From there, Michael Fulmer, Griffin Jacks, Yohan duran Now last to score and got to think that there's something wrong with Gray as he went just 59 pitches in this one. As for the White Sox, why Joe Kelly was the opener in this game? I cannot tell you the answer to that. I don't know if the White Sox can as he gave up two runs in an inning. From there, Davis Martin, five scoreless innings, Ronaldo Lopez, Liam Hendricks, both a scoreless inning, and Jimmy Lambert gives up an under run in an inning. And for those of you guys that are keeping count, ever since Tony LaRusso wound up being pretty much pushed to the side due to health issues, the team has won three and zero, so. There is that aspect of it. The Houston Astros then go on the road. They take down the LA Angels by a count of four to two. Good start here from Lance McCullers Jr., giving up two runs over the course of five and two thirds innings. Hector Neris, Brian Abreu, Rafael Motero I'll give you a scoreless setting of Phil Maton and out of the bullpen. And for the Astros, no home runs, but they go four of the eleven with men in scoring position as Reed Detmers. He's been doing a relatively solid job over the last two months. Did not wind up having his best tonight. Four runs surrendered in four and a third innings. You do end up having a duel of Jose Marte of the Marte Parte, coupled with Mr. Zach Weiss, combined for two scoreless innings here in Lupa out outside the bullpen and Aimee Badia. Two scoreless innings, but the Angels, they strain 10 men on base. They go one of nine with men in scoring position, and that's pretty much what happened with the Milwaukee Brewers. DK Nation pick of the Brewers' money line goes down in a fiery heap as the Brewers they score one run while leaving 11 men on base. Two to one, the final as the Arizona Diamondbacks were the beneficiaries of. Of a pair of Milwaukee Brewers errors as Eric Lauer. Good start in this one. Two runs around in six and two-thirds innings. Kept the ball in the yard. Hobie Milner from there. Far outside of the bullpen, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Zach Davies is pretty much able to wiggle off the hook. Four and two-thirds innings. He gives up six hits. Gives up just one run along the way. Kyle Nelson, he wound up getting one out while giving up three walks as he walked in one of the Davies men that he wound up leaving on. From there, Reyes Bonanta, Kevin Ginkle, Joe Mantiply Ian Kennedy, all lend a scoreless inning, so the Brewers hey, now lose two straight to the A's and the Diamondbacks, and their playoff hopes. Well, they're not looking good right now, especially with what they say Louis Cardinals are doing. Eight to zero, St. Louis able to just pummel the Chicago Cubs as Adrian Sampson. Not a bad start here. Two runs given up over the course of five innings. Sean Newcomb, the big albatross. He goes two innings. He gives up five runs, including two bombs. Tommy Edmond, 12th home run in the season. Lars Neutbauer is 11th home run in the season. As he had Javier Assad going inning. He wound up giving up a run along the way. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, a tremendous start here from Jordan Montgomery. Six scoreless innings. He did wind up giving up seven hits. So he was able to get out of some jams as the Cubs. he wind up going overnight with Ben in scoring position. But Jordan Hicks, eight scoreless innings. Chris Drain, two scoreless settings. And the runs that we wound up seeing late from the St. Louis Cardinals, if you wound up having the under on eight, you got to push because the Cardinals, they wound up scoring a bunch of runs. If you wound up having the under in Yankees versus Rays, I really do feel for you. 9-0. The Rays get it done as they wind up getting eight of their runs in the seventh and eighth innings. As for the Yankees, Domingo Roman wound up delivering a good start. Six and two-thirds innings. He gives up three runs, two of which were earned. He was hurt by, really, a pair of errors out there in the field by Josh Johnson. So, he didn't wind up pitching bad. He didn't wind up giving up a home run along the way, going deep. Christian Bethencourt, ninth home run. Of season, but from there, the bullpen was not great. Anthony Banda gave up three runs, and he did not wind up getting a single out, but he did give up three walks. And Greg Weiser, he's apparently going to be the future for the Yankees. He's not looking like it right now. Three runs surrendered in an inning. He wound up having to have Marwin Gonzalez get the final out in the eighth inning. As the Yankees, they go 0 of 7 with Ben in scoring position. They have now scored four runs or fewer in 17 out of their last 21 games. As Jeffrey Springs, tremendous, five and two thirds innings scoreless. You wind up having Kellen Pooch give you an out of the bullpen, and then. Jason Adam, JT Jurgois, Kelvin Futcher all wind up delivering a scroll ascending. The Mariners deliver an L to the Cleveland Guardians 6-1 the final. Zach Plisak wound up coming up with an injury midday so that meant that Cody Morris wanted up making his MLB debut. Someone who had never thrown more than 61 pitches at the minor league level of the season and wound up going about as well as you'd expect. Three runs, two of which were earned, given up in two innings as he wound up allowing a bomb to Cal Raleigh. For Raleigh, his 20th home run season, then he would go deep off of Brian Shaw for home run number 21 of the season as Shaw. He lost three runs while getting just four outs. Sam Entiches, Along with Kirk McCarty, we're both able to end two scoreless innings apiece. Eli Morgan, five outs out of the bullpen. And for the uh, Seattle Mariners, Luis Castillo just tremendous in this one. Six scoreless innings. Did have Diego Castillo give up a run in an inning out of the bullpen. But Matthew Fessa uh, he cleans up the final two innings scoreless. The Detroit Tigers, they get to the uh, Kansas City Royals by a count of five to four as for the Royals, Daniel Lynch, another classic Daniel Lynch start, giving up four runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of bombs. Javi Baez, twelfth home run of the season. Willie Castro, home run number six of the season. As Drew Hutchinson, not much better on the other side. Five and two thirds innings, giving up four runs, three which were earned, including a homer to Michael A. Taylor, ninth home run of the season. From there, Amir Garrett and Dylan Coleman London scoreless inning. Carlos Hernandez gives up a run while getting one out of the bullpen as Jose Cuas. Pair of outside the bullpen himself and for the Detroit Tigers, bullpen continues to be saw. Gregory Soto will vest eighth and ninth innings, and Andrew Chafin for outside out of the bullpen scoreless. The Oakland A's they go to Baltimore and the Orioles they continue their playoff push five to two. The final, if you take a look at the wild card right now in the American League, Orioles still just one and a half games out. Rivers, by the way, three and a half out in the National League. It's not looking great for them, but for Oakland, you know what else is not looking great. The offense, says they were not able to do a whole heck of a lot in this one, as Dean Kramer he winds up giving up two runs over the course of six innings, and then Brian Baker and Dylan Tate they piecemeal together two scoreless innings for the Baltimore Orioles. No home runs in this one, but they just did it via, def- via a million cuts. They wind up going 3 of 11 with men in scoring position as J.P. Sears. Solid start for the A's. He winds up getting five punch-outs, relatively high for him. Two runs surrendered in six innings. But then from there, Domingo Acevedo has been solid for this A's bullpen. Three runs surrendered while getting just one out. You wind up having Kirby Sneed blended scoreless inning, and Norgé Ruiz was... He'll get a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well. You saw the Cincinnati Reds get the win over the Colorado Rockies by a count of three to two in pretty dramatic fashion. Rockies were leading two to zero throughout much of this one, but the Colorado Rockies bullpen unable to hold up. Kyle Freeland, good start here. Five and two thirds innings. He allows a solo home run as the solo home run comes to. A man that I don't think wound up having a plate appearance before this night as Spencer Steer. Why is he getting his first home run of the season? So good for him. And then a little bit later, Jake Fraley goes deep off to Nelson LeVette. Home run number eight of the season as LeVette gives up his home run over the course of an inning. And Alex Galme, he gives up the walk-off hit as for the Cincinnati Reds shots in India. Gets an infield single to be able to get the W as he went a third of an inning. Justin Lawrence gives you an out of the bullpen. And Carlos Sesev a scoreless inning of his own as... The really main form of offense for the Rockies in this one, Sean Brochard. He winds up getting his first home run of the season. As for the Reds, that was Lee Sessa who served that up. And Sessa's been stretched out now. Five innings out of him gives up those two runs on that one homer. As Joe Cuno, Buck Farmer, Alexis Diaz, and Fernando Cruz. Not necessarily a star-studded quadrant, but they all wind up lending a scroll and setting a piece of the bullpen to be able to piecemeal this game together. And seeking of being able to piecemeal things together, that's what wound up happening if you wanna up in the Atlanta Braves as it was all bits and pieces that wound up coming together. 8-1 to one the final as for Sandy Alcantara. He's starting to have a couple of shaky starts. He gives up six runs over the course of five innings, including three bombs. Going deep for the Atlanta Braves, Travis Arnault home run number 15 of the season along with Michael Harris' the second home run number 15, and Von Grisham gets his fourth. You would have Travis Arnault winded going deep off of then Cole Sulzer for his home run, number 16 of the season, and Austin Riley. He gets his third home run in the last four days, 34th home run season off of Sulzer as well as Sulzer. He gives up two solo home runs over the course of his inning. Luskar Brazobin along with Richard Blyer, both one to score the for the Miami Marlins. Three runs of fewer in 28 out of their last 31 games. Just absolute sadness right here. Gerard Encarnacion, lone run of the game off of Charlie Morton, solo home run, home run number two of the season. It's Morton. Gives up one run in five and two-thirds innings. Call me Q4 outside of the bullpen, and then Jesse Chavez, Rossi Iglesias. They both land a the inning. He did wind up having the best get to the Washington Nationals 7-3. They wind up being able to get the W as for the Nationals. You First start in about 10 days, and he looked rusty, giving up six runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of homers. Eduardo Escobar, 13th home run season. P. Alonso, 32nd as the namesake, David Peterson. He winds up giving up three runs in five and a third innings. Not necessarily the sharpest start there, but he wound up having The Nationals have Gray give up all those runs, and then Mason Thompson, Corey Ebbett, they both give you a scoreless hanging out of the bullpen. Steve Cechek, he gives up a run in an inning as... The Nationals squandered a lot of opportunities, going 2 of 13 with men in scoring position, 10 men stranded as Michael Givens, five outs out of the bullpen, and then you wind up having Yoli Rodriguez, Seth Lugo. They all went scoreless in their appearances as Rodriguez and Lugo, both a scoreless inning. It was Dallas Keuchel Day on Friday, and why three separate teams have allowed Dallas Keuchel to make a start this year? I have no idea, but for those of you guys fading Dallas Keuchel, the rent was paid once again. 9-1 the final. The Boston Red Sox get it done. Dallas Keuchel, 7 runs surrendered in 4 and 2 thirds innings. He's now made 2 starts for the Texas Rangers. He's given up 14 runs to 10 innings and How in the world they let him go 103 pitches here. I mean, this is just malpractice with your pitching staff in general. I have no idea what they are doing right now, but it's not good. AJ Alexi, he winds up giving up from there two runs over the course of two and a third innings. Going deep for the Boston Red Sox off of him. One, Connor Wong for his first career home run. That was the only home run in this game. It was just the Red Sox doing death by a million cuts. They got 13 hits. They went 6 of 12. With Ben in scoring position, you wind up having Charlie Culverson come in and give a scoreless inning. He's more valuable than Dallas Keiko on the mound at this point. And for the Boston Red Sox, it was a short outing here for Nick Pavetta. Winds up going three innings, giving up one run along the way. He winds up leaving with a little bit of an injury. From there, Caleb Ort, Ryan Brazier, Tyler Danish, Eduardo Bazzardo, they all wind up giving you a scoreless inning, and Matt Stram, two scoreless innings to be able to pick up the W. This is a game that, it's not quite final yet, but, I mean, it's going to be final. I have to have this up by midnight Pacific time, and we're going into the bottom of the eighth inning with the San Francisco Giants up by a by, by count of 12-0. The over has been cashed in this game. The Philadelphia Phillies have been just called hickory in this game because they have been smoked. Kyle Gibson, he gives up seven runs and he got five outs. For the San Francisco Giants, going deep off of him, Jock Peterson, 21st home run season, and that's really the only home run that they've gotten in this 12-run outburst as Sam Coonrod from there gives up four runs while going just two-thirds of an inning. Christopher Sanchez, three and two-thirds an innings, He allows one run. It's gotten to the point in which Garrett Stubbs is going to be pitching an inning for them and Andrew Balatti He winds up landing a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, for Alex Cobb, seven scoreless Sherlon Garcia, he's been able to do a good job of being able to maintain that shutout as well. And for the San Diego Padres, he's go on the road, and they have the Dodgers their third straight loss, as for the San Diego Padres, You Darvish, seven scoreless innings, very impressive, and they wind up getting a trio of homers Manny Pachado and Brandon Drury, both get home run number 25 of the season off of Justin May, and then Heath Emery serves one up to Jerickson and Profar, 13th home run season for May, he gives up six runs five of which were earned, including two bombs and five innings. So it was May Day. Phil Bickford was able to rescue things from there. Two scoreless innings. Heath Embry, he was able to lend an inning, giving up one of those home runs along the way. And if you're just taking a look at the game of baseball right now, it has been a case in which over the last 60 days, we have been seeing a little bit of an underfest, 378 unders to 350 overs. So right around 52% of games trending under in this span of the last 60 days. Favorites spinning right around 60.6%. 462 and 301, but what I've been really noting is that a lot of home favorites have been unable to cover the run line. Home favorites, 289 and 168 over the last 60 days. That is 63.2%, but among the 289 home favorites, we have seen now 82 of them. Failed to cover the run line, and that has really been a theme all season long. It's overall for the season. Home favorites, 739 and 483. But among those 739 home favorites to be able to win straight up, 224 have failed to cover the run line. Unders are hitting at about 51.7% for the season, 963. In terms of unders, 898 overs. And if you take a look at just the last week in general, favorites hitting at right around 61%. Home favorites have been able to go 32 and 19 with eight run lines failing to cover. And in this time span of the last week, 47 unders to 37 over. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now. And that's what we wound up getting on Friday. Now let's turn the page forward to Saturday and get the thoughts of our good friend, Josh Ingles of Covers. He is going to be joining me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of Beats Family Podcast.
13: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You think I it? Ain't it?
3: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. I'm
10: all here Las Vegas. For
8: the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast, Great to be joined by our guests. Josh Engels says a great job over there on covers, doing a little bit of everything. It is now football season, so he's getting set for the MOB. He's getting set for the NFL season. On top of that, he's been doing a great job all throughout this MOB season. Then once it winds up hitting more of the winter months, he does a great job out there on the ice as well, covering some NHL. So he's got pretty much everything covered all 12 <laughs> months out of the year. This guy's doing absolutely tremendous work over there at Covers, as to be able to follow Josh on Twitter that's at Covers underscore, and that is first name, Josh. And Josh, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thanks for the lovely intro, Greg. How are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, and you know who's doing great? The New York Mets, because they get to face off against Patrick <laughs> Corbin on Saturday. I know that we were talking about this a little bit off air as we sit right now. This is the biggest money line that we've seen all season. Minus 425, and look, I'm not the guy to tell you that this is necessarily off because, I mean, if you're going to have a largest money line of the season, a Patrick Corbett versus Max Scherzer start, it certainly (laughs) is there. I think that we're both in agreement here. If you, like myself, yeah, I think think that the Washington Nationals are able to pull it off, it's one of these cases in which you probably want to look somewhere other than the minus 425 money line because even though Patrick Corbett stinks, this is an unpalatable number. And with baseball, one thing that you do wind up getting is ways
14: to be able to reduce the juice in a lot of these spots. Absolutely. Guys, just know where to find the value in this bet. I'm sure the Nats team total, if you're at a book that has just flat numbers, I'm sure it's at two for this game. The total is only seven and a half. So, like the football season, you're looking at a huge spread with a short total here. So, you might have to do some digging. Obviously, sure, there's props when they come out and open. I'm sure they're all way too long. There's just so many markets for baseball. I'm sure there's something you can find. And if you really wanted to hit something, I'm sure Corbin to give up what, it's usually about six and a half hits per game. I'm sure the Mets would oblige. Even something like a walks prop over
8: one and a half walks. That's something that you're able to take a look at as well. Patrick Corbin has been giving up a lot of those. So you're able to take a look down the list if you think that Max Scherzer is going to be able to record a win. You're still probably going to be weighing a number that I would say is probably similar to the run line as it it's minus 175-ish. That's still a whole lot more palatable than a minus 425, and that leads to something a little bit bigger with regards to this month as well, Josh, because we know that now we've got some September call-ups. We know that there's a clear divide between the haves and the have-nots. You do have a few teams that... They're sort of on the edge of playoff contention. I mean, the Boston Red Sox, these are going to be a couple big games for them. If they have any ghost of a hope of being able to make a playoff push, they need to win these games against the Texas Rangers To their credit. Nice comeback on Thursday. But when it comes to this time of year, is there any value in taking a look at some of these games that involve shall
14: we say lesser teams or do you mostly stick to the teams they're in the playoff hunt it's game to game i don't think it's one system that you're looking at in it let's say the guardians the guardians have their september call-ups too they could be down six nothing and they just i don't know give that one reliever they brought up give them two innings and all of a sudden the variance is massive in the game that you didn't expect in that situation. So I don't think you can avoid it either way. Even teams both in the playoff hunt, when you see games like the Yankees and the Rays who are playing and then the Seattle-Cleveland series, there could still be throwaway games as teams kind of, are down by a lot and then maybe need to reset bullpens, worry about taking their starters out for another run the next day. I think it's just a hard thing to get away from. And if you're betting against teams that have nothing to lose, uh, that, that's also a dangerous combination, as we know, from sport to sport.
8: Yeah, if it certainly is interesting to take a look at, to me on the podcast. We do have Josh Ingles does a great job over there at covers. And I do think that it is interesting to see what's going to be happening in this game for Saturday, because you mentioned it, the Cleveland Guardians, they are resetting their pitching staff a little bit more as they want to make a, Broke, a couple – Broken spreads.
14: hand, Zach Plesick, broken hand in the middle of the day out of nowhere.
8: Yeah, that was really, really strange because I'm just you like – wait what the heck the cleveland guardians are giving a guy a start who never threw more than more than 61 pitches at the biter he was in he was
11: in rookie
14: ball to start the year cody morris it's nuts
8: yeah that is and as a result we're getting Xavion curry now on saturday going up against robbie ray as i see the number right now robbie ray is finding himself a minus 120 favorite and I, and this is a little bit of a mysterious line. I think the bookmakers were probably taken a little bit aback by this as well. And I'm not sure about you, but you got to think, because we are doing this before the game between the Mariners and the Cleveland Guardians want to going final on Friday. But with everything that we wound up seeing out of the gentlemen in Morris that wanted starting on Friday, have to think that that's a bullpen that is heavily spent. Curry has made one start at the big league level this year. I'm not expecting a lot of length there. I think the advantage here really goes to Seattle, despite the fact that Robbie Ray has a bunch of home and road splits, just because I think the Guardians, these next
14: few days, they're going to have their bullpen badly tired. It's really weird, Greg. So the Friday game, the Luis Castillo versus what turned into Cody Morris game, Castillo was minus 145 before Plessick came out, and then Morris came in, and the line moved the other way, and it moved to minus 135. And if you know anything about why that happened, it's because the Guardians bullpen is so good. The Mariners also have a fantastic bullpen. They have the best team, one of the best team ERAs in all of baseball. But the Guardians have like a 0.64 ERA out of the bullpen over the last two weeks. So they know, the books know that the Friday game's going heavy bullpen. And like you said, Cody Morris probably, maybe. It would be surprising if he got six outs. I'm going to say that. So the bullpen's going to get a heavy usage. And I don't see that line. I don't see the difference between Castillo minus 135 to Ray minus 125, especially after Cleveland burns the bullpen on Friday, I would actually go the other way, 10 points the other way, which is a 20-point swing, probably go Robbie Ray minus 145.
8: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I just think that that was very strange. And I mean, the fact that the Guardians, I mean, you can say what you will about Zach act, but the fact that they wanted up getting upgraded with a guy that was pretty much going to be able to give them, I was thinking between two and three innings. Personally, we shall see what winds up happening. And that one, but that said, that was one of the more curious things that we have seen this season, to say the least, as shown to be on the podcast. We do have Josh Ingalls, and this is also very curious because the AL Cy Young race right now, I think that Justin Verlander clearly in the lead, but if Justin Verlander does not line pitching the rest of the regular season, that opens things up because now you've got McClanahan dealing with a little bit of an injury for the Tampa Bay Rays as well, and you got to feel like Dylan Cease. needs to have a big start to be able to try to maybe get back in the race and not only that now you've got Tony La Russa currently out the fold for the White Sox and that could be exactly what they need right now we're finding Dylan Cease and the Chicago White Sox between about a minus 135 to a minus 140 favorite against the Minnesota Twins of Tyler Volley making his first start off the injured list I'm not sure how you wind up seeing this one but I mean if you're a futures holder for the Chicago White Sox it's a got to have a game for them and for Dylan C. Cy young props. This is a got to have a game for him, and I do think that the White Sox they do wind up getting upgraded without Tony Larusa, and
14: I think that this could be a relatively <laughs> good spot for them. I think that's so funny. Health aside, obviously, but it is funny that we're talking that the team has an upgrade because is not there, and like it's been a disappointing year for them. They're what three games under five hundred at home. But this AL Central race has really tightened up. The Cleveland-Baltimore series really brought this thing back to earth. Minnesota heading into Friday night's game. Minnesota's just one game back. Chicago's four games back. I haven't looked at the strength of schedule, but I'm sure there's probably a couple matchups at least between two of the three of those teams. So things could happen. And the thing that I'm so angry about, when you handicap something well, and it just doesn't fall in your lap like this AL Cy Young, like right after the All-Star break, I mean Shohei O'Tani was eighteen to one to capture it, and he was the number three betting favorite. That was the McClanahan and Verlander show. And I was I think I was on here too talking to you, Greg. Verlander was coming off the injury. He might get shut down, especially if they wanted if they want to do a long run, which they obviously want to do. And McClanahan, same thing. Tampa Bay might shut him down and keep his innings, regardless of how serious his injury is, which led me to putting my money on Otani at great odds. But then Dylan Cease just came out of nowhere, and he could really make he could really make some big moves in the AL. Cy Young with a big performance versus Minnesota Saturday night,
8: and also I think that I mean, this would be such a long shot. I don't think that there's any way that he'd be able to get back into the Cy Young race. But you know what, Joey Otani is going to be on the bump on Saturday as well, and you did wind up mentioning the fact that you would not be surprised if Justin Verlander wound up getting a little bit of rest towards the end part of the season. Obviously, you were hoping that would be a little bit of a different circumstance as this looks to be a little bit more precautionary, but it looks like there might be something there as well. But frankly enough, he's going to be going up against Otani, that is, the Houston Astros with Luis Garcia on the mound. And you don't find a lot of pick games in baseball in this day and age, especially during this time of the season. But as I see it, between minus 105 to minus 110 both ways on this one, half to 8 being your total. Not sure where you wind up standing on this one, but it has been curious watching Angels the last few weeks because ever since Mike Trout has gone back in the fold, they're showing a little bit of a heartbeat. That said, I do take a look at this Astros team, and I just think that they're the better unit in general. I really don't have a lot of faith in this Angels bullpen, where I do have faith in this Astros bullpen, if I'm looking full game, I'd be giving the slight
14: edge here to the asterisk. Not sure if you feel different. No, I feel similar. So here's a really good question. So where would you put this line? It sits as a pick-em now uh, in L.A. Where do you put this line on a neutral site? Are you a 20-point guy home advantage, a 30-point guy home advantage? I'm more around
8: about a 20-point guy. I will sometimes wind up going higher when it comes to like Coors Field because with the Colorado Rockies – they're a team that they've got a very good home field advantage, and then when they hit the road, they're just absolutely terrible. So I do think that you need to temper it a little bit based on the team. There are some teams that they get a little bit more of an edge. We've seen in the last few years, like Bay, for instance. Typically, they've actually played a little bit better on the road. The Brewers are one of those teams as well that they've had a relatively solid road team, but typically 20-ish
14: points. Okay, so if this game was in Houston, Otani, Garcia here, and Houston – Minus 150 home favorites versus Otani. Setting that up in your head, does that change your handicap process in the game at all or no?
8: I would set it right around about a minus 145 to a minus 150. Would depend a little bit upon bullpen
14: use, but in that neighborhood. Okay. So, so, so you're in agreement that this pick lines pretty bang on kind of where it should be.
8: Yep. I mean, I like Houston just a little bit more in this game, just because I've got a little bit more faith in the bullpen, but I certainly don't think that this is a very far off line at all. And I do think that what bookmakers done here is pretty much what people bet, how they will, and they will shade it from there. So, they're essentially letting the market itself dictate where this line winds up going. And I have no issue with that whatsoever.
14: Yeah. I mean, we saw, I, I want some money on Otani in his last start. It was incredible what he does. Like talking about like a five, six mixed pitcher, 28 pitches in his first inning versus the Jays, zero strikeouts, still ends up going over his 18 and a half after 28 pitch first inning and goes over six and a half case. So he just has a different zone from tickets I'm holding. I hope Cease gets destroyed and Otani goes seven, strikes out 12, allows zero and kind of tightens this race a little bit. I know we've just mentioned that it's probably too late, but I don't know, maybe he gets a longer leash, but in the end, I don't see that the bottom of that Angel's order is Really anything that can hold up against Garcia and obviously a really good Houston bullpen. Houston is obviously the best lineup in the AL too.
8: Yeah, Houston has been able to do an incredible job with that bullpen. So it is interesting to take a look at that total's perspective as well, because ever since the beginning of the month of June, the Angels have really been a bottom five offense in baseball and the Astros way that they've been pitching has been solid. And Luis Garcia on the road has been great as well. And there's one other line that just really stands out to me as Josh Ingles does a great job over there at Covers and joining me on the podcast. Right now we're seeing a total of seven 7.5 in this Brewers versus Arizona Diamondbacks game. you have got Corbin Burns against Madison Baumgartner. Corbin Burns has given up five-plus runs in each out of his last two starts. I think that he's going to rebound, but even if Corbin Burns, like I'm thinking, is going to rebound, it's a situation where I cannot take a look at the under because with the Diamondbacks, for one, we've seen a lot of the recent games be calamities, and two, Madison Bumgarner is doing a great job of living up to his aim of being a mad bum. Five-plus runs rendered at each out of his last six starts. And I'm not sure about you, but I just take a look at this line of 7.5, and, and there's just really no way I can wind up going under because even if Corbin Burns winds up going out, gives you a complete game shutout, there's a good chance that the Brewers wind up putting up seven to eight
14: all by themselves. I don't know. I see a little value on Arizona here. I'm not laying what my what'd you say minus one seventy with Burns and Milwaukee on the road here. Arizona's not the worst team. I mean, they've been flirting with five hundred for a bit. I think their run differential what, minus sixteen, which is probably only like thirty runs different than the Orioles. They are a competitive team. Minus one seventy is pretty massive on the road. I mean, it, it is Corbin Burns, but. I don't think we're getting Corbin Burns, Cy Young stretch right now. And obviously, I don't know, guys like Mad Bum kind of step up to games like this. I know that's a super subjective analysis, and but Milwaukee has, has done nothing. I've been a Milwaukee division holder and sat there and just watched St. Louis gain ground on a team that gives up winnable games like this exactly like this I mean they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 they're losing record on the road plus 31 run differential for a team that's 7 games over 500 so it's a tough and I know you're a Milwaukee fan like I'm preaching to the choir here I'm sure Greg.
8: Oh yeah it's been a rough year for the Milwaukee Brewers and I don't think that they wind up making the playoffs Firstly, and if they do it's because the San Diego Padres trip over their own two feet in the wild card because because I think St. Louis winds up winning the Central, so I'm in agreement with you there. I just need to see Madison Bumgarner lend a good start before I can place a little bit more faith in him. Because five plus runs surrendered at six straight starts, this is a really, really bad run for him. So I just cannot wind up taking a shot there. This is one of these. It's, spots it's that certainly again, it's certainly not price giving, but- at
14: minus one seventy.
8: Oh, yeah, and this is a case in which I'm not going to be laying the minus 170. I'm going to be looking at that run line instead. If the Brewers lose, the Brewers lose. If they win, it's probably because Bad Bump (laughs) just winds up continuing what has been a really bad stretch for them. So I would rather not lay minus 170, but at the same time, really just cannot wind up advocating for a plus 150 on Arizona either because, I mean, if Bad Bump gives a good start, your ticket would probably be in great peril anyway. So that's the way that I went taking a look at that. And Josh, I know that you are taking a look at a ton right now. You're getting set for what is going to be an incredible NFL season. You've been doing a great job with baseball oh, all year God. long. And it, it is going to be hockey season again. And I know that you do a great job on that front oh, as well. God. So I think if people know, know how they're able to follow you on social media and everything they've got going on in general.
14: Yeah, as you know, as everyday bettors and analysts, I mean, this is, this is a tough part of the year. You have a really good feel on the mlb market and then you have to gear up for the nfl so we're gearing up there and then i still have the nhl i'd need to pay attention to and haven't really dug into the outrights there but it's the job i mean you got to balance it all over and right now the attention is on baseball day-to-day stuff because if you take days off baseball then it's really tough to get back into that's the beauty of nfl football but there's so the prop markets are out for thursday's bills rams game. Gabriel Davis's overs. I mean, Alan Robinson's overs are looking good early. I don't know. I live a good life. I enjoy my job. You find me on Twitter. I'm a man who loves what he does, and I'm past the young part of me where I was losing sleep over betting on games, and I'm sure you're the same way, Greg. We've matured over our years of what type of better we were and what type of person we were while betting, so uh, I'm a person who loves action and uh, find me on Twitter, covers underscore Josh, and I'm always there for a chat. Follow, fade, do what you want, but I'm there to
8: talk yeah but i think that we both agree we both love action but at the same time we've matured a little bit with regards to the size of the action that you wind up having on a game-to-game basis you don't want a scenario where one game could wind up causing you to have a really really, oh, really good month slash a really bad month because you wind up missing on one play that is not the place where you want to be finding yourself but with that said, Justin, he does a great job looking at so many markets, does absolutely amazing work over there Covers that it. it is always great to get him on this podcast. Big thanks to Josh Ingalls for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of podcast. to give you picks and analysis and every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all.
10: Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's going to guard. And
11: then on I'm top of it,
7: like that, see that.
11: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to
12: Point Game. I remember mean, you came out of him crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember
13: what you know? I told you? I said, I said, OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college didn't need it.
3: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
8: We're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family podcast. Always a pleasure to get Josh Ingles aboard. He does a great job over there at Covers taking a look at the game of baseball For those of you guys that love football, he's getting into that. For those of you guys that love the NHL, he's going to be doing a little bit more when it comes to the fall slash winter months on that front as well. Guy does an absolutely amazing job of taking a look at just so many different markets and always does a great job whenever he joins me. A big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis and every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
8: Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any the Interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive into this first game as it is 951, 952 on the board. The Philadelphia Phillies on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants. Jacob Junis is going to be going for the Giants, and Noah Thor Syndergaard is on the bump for the Phillies. The Phillies are between minus 125 and minus 130 favorites, between plus 110 and plus 115. Your number on San Francisco It is the total with the over and the under, both at minus 110. I was willing to go up to a minus 128 with the Phillies. I'm mostly seeing minus 125, so I'm going to be willing to ride with it. You've got a Phillies lineup that they've got a lot of guys. Doing an amazing job will be able to get on base says. Alec Bone post-all-star break has been hitting above the three hundred. JT Reimuto has been the best hitting catcher ever since the beginning of the month of July, hitting above the three Post All-Star break, Nick Calcianos has lacked a little bit of power, but he's been able to move the line. You get Bryce Harper back in the fold. Bryson Stott has been hitting above a 280 over the last 35 days. So that winds up being able to help this team out. And you do take a look at Jacob Junis, and it's been a little bit shaky for him recently. Wound up having a relatively good start to the season. Winds up coming off the injured list, and it's not been the same guy. A 713 ERA over his last five starts, giving up four home runs over the course of 24 innings. He hasn't been too bad in the walks. He's given up just four walks in that time span and overall for the season, right around 1.8 walks, Per nine innings, but doesn't get a lot of swings and misses, right around about 7.6, 7.7 strikeouts. Per nine innings, starting nearly a two fifty off of him. And for Syndergaard, he's always felt right at home in the state of California this season. As starts that he's made in the state of California, he's got a sub-3.5 ERA. And in all other starts, his ERA winds up approaching a 5. Ever since he wanted coming over to the Philadelphia Phillies, he hasn't lit the world on fire. He has not also wanted spilling the soup if he were a waiter at a nice restaurant either. 4.40 ERA not been able to get a lot of strikeouts. He's been registering right around about five and a half punch odds per nine innings with the Phillies overall this season. More in the neighborhood about six, but he doesn't give up the deep ball right around one home run per nine innings, playing in a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in San Francisco. San Francisco has quite a few guys that they do an okay job, will be able to move the line as Wilmer Flores, Jack Peterson, Evan Longoria, Terry Estrada, Luis Gonzalez, and even Tommy LaSalle. All these guys are in between about a 246 to I'd say about a 260 ish. You've had Brandon Crawford, the entire catcher spot, Lamonte Wade Jr., not necessarily be terrific, but for the Phillies, even though they are dealing with a pair of injuries to Sarah Anthony Dominguez, along with Corey Knabel in that bullpen, they still have. David Robertson, who's been able to do a solid job. Connor Brogdon has seen his ERA go up a little bit, but he's been able to do a nice job. And then when it comes to the Giants, you've got a trio of guys I do like John Brebbia, Camilo Duvall, Jarlene Garcia. They've got a sub-3 ERA, but this is a Giants team that is clearly missing Buster Posey, both with regards to the bat and in terms of the way that he winds up being a call game itself. For the San Francisco Giants team. As currently they rank at the bottom 8. In terms of bullpen area With guys like Tyler Rogers and company. Just really having some struggles. So do mind mind saying the Phillies. Minus 128 in this spot. I'm going to be willing to ride with them. Do mind making my total in an 8.2 as well. It's a little bit more of a pitcher friendly ballpark. But this is an afternoon game. Which means that the ball should be flying a little bit more this time of day. Rather than if you wind up having an evening game. So going to be taking a look at the Phillies. Along with the over in this spot. 953-954 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies. They throw it face-off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on it, Cincinnati. Mr. Bill Bell. Checking Nick Lidolo, he is on the bump for them. And Irma Marquez is going to be going with the Colorado Rockies. 8.5 is your total. Unders between minus 110 and minus 115. The overs between minus 110 and minus 105. When it comes to the Reds, you're going to be finding them between minus 115 and minus 120. Even money to plus 105 is your number on the Colorado Rockies. And, when it comes to Rockies, I did need closer to a plus-130 to be able to take a shot on them. I really do like what I'm seeing out of Nick Lodolo. And for Lodolo, he's got some relatively demonstrative home and road splits. And well, when it comes to home and road splits, you've got those with the Colorado Rockies as well. We'll get into that in a minute. But Lodolo overall for the season, he's been able to register right around 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings. He's been able to do a solid job. of will be able to keep guys off balance. But he's really been at his best at home. 293 on I right. ERA on the road. He's given up just 3 home runs over the course of 43 innings at home, 5 bombs, and 24 innings when he has been on the road now. To the credit of Vermont Marquez, he's been able to do a better job of pitching on the road rather than at home himself. 6.09 home ERA, 3.69 road ERA, and on the road, he's given up right around .8 home runs per 9 innings at home. It says right around 1.9 home runs per 9 innings. So His walks per 9 rate north of 4 when he has been on the road, but opponents hitting nearly 90 points lower off of him as well, but for the Rockies, they wind up getting just 0.65 home runs per game when they are on the road, and their batting average falls by about 40 points rather than when they are in Coors Field. You've got some like CJ Krohn, for instance. It's been a case in which he's got 24 home runs in season, 18 of them have wound up coming at home. Jose Iglesias still laying above a 3 when he's on the road, but Randall Kirchick his batting average adjusts by about 100 points, whether it is home or road. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, Jonathan India, Kyle Farmer, a pair of guys hanging right around 260. Now, the bottom of the lineup with guys like REC Sakino, Stuart Fairchild, Jose Barreto, Throw throwing their young catcher Chucky Robinson. These guys have not necessarily been too terrific, but Donovan Solano's been able to above a 300. You've been able to get some relatively solid production as well when called upon by Nick Senzel. So you do have some still solid Cincinnati Reds pass. Got to get it from the top of the fold. Remember, Marquez certainly has been giving up quite a bit of hard contact, and these are a pair of bullpens that they rank in the bottom seven in the big leagues in terms of ERA for the Colorado Rockies area are dealing with an injury to Lucas Gilbreth. I will say, maybe they will have Carlos Decevas really be able to step it up in his last 15 appearances, sub-2 ERA to Nelson Lameda, someone that I like in this bullpen as well, but they have to the kick the tires on someone like a Chad Smith, not a tremendous error. and then for the Cincinnati Reds, it's been Alexis Diaz who has been the only guy that you've been able to trust, sub-2 ERA out of him, and then past that. Got a bunch of guys like San Martin, Ian Gabo, Joe Kuno. All these guys posting up a 470 ERA or greater. So I do think that we're gonna get quite a few runs in this game, even though I do think that the starters gonna be able to do a relatively solid job. semi total at an 8.7. So looking over and with the Reds, I'm making them a minus 131 favor with the way that Little has been able to pitch at home. So look at Reds and looking at the over. 955, 956. We're gonna make this one the DK Nation pick, as it is Washington Nationals. They third face off against the New York Mets. Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Mets, and Patrick Garvin, the turkey tosser himself, is on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Your total on this game is 7.5 with the juice on the under, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125, over is between minus 105 and plus 105, and the Mets are the biggest favorite that we've seen all year long. Anywhere between minus $4 and minus 430. It is anywhere between plus 335 and plus 355 on the Washington Nationals, and I typically am a sucker for these big plus prices. I need at least a plus three eighty-five to take a shot here on the Washington Nationals. I just can't do it. If you're looking at the run line, it is right around a minus 175 on the Mets. I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 185 with the Mets laying a run half. I would say reduce the juice if you're able to find something better on, like, Max Scherzer to record a win, maybe something like a team total over. I do advise that because it is very, very chalky, but if you're looking in terms of a money line slash run line perspective, I'm looking at the Mets on the run line personally, but the DK and H pick is going to be on the over. I did wind up saying my total at 8.2 because I just think that the Mets have a good chance of being able to get seven plus runs all by themselves. Patrick Corbin, to his credit, he looked a little bit better in his last start against the Cincinnati Reds, but you just heard be talking about the Cincinnati Reds, and how they've got pretty much four to five guys in the lineup that can't hit to save their lives, and you know what? You're not going to be able to catch that break against this New York Mets team, as you've got a Mets bunch with Pete Alonso being able to slug out over 30 home runs for the seam as Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, Mark Canna, they're all in between about a 265 to 275. Charlie Marte is hitting nearly a 300. His power's been ramping up. Daniel Vogel back inside the fold a little bit. He's back. He's hitting north of a 250 ever since. He's come over for the seam, and the Nationals have actually been able to hit Max Scherzer. I think that a lot of people would be surprised to know that Max Scherzer has given up 3-plus runs in every one of his starts against the Nationals this season. And one of those wanted coming after the trade deadline as well. You've got a Nationals team that may be able to have Luke Voigt be able to pump out 18 home runs. You've got guys that are able to move the line. Now, it's not like you're getting a supreme amount of jo- batting average outside of Joey Manessis, who's a great story, hitting nearly a 350. but you've got guys like Nelson Cruz, better Baddowies, guys like Lane Thomas hitting between about a 235 to 245. Thomas has been able to give you a couple deep balls as well. Luke Voigt has been able to slug out 18 home runs. And for the Mets, the bullpen has been relatively solid. Seth Lugo has been able to shape up a little bit ever since the All-Star break. He and Tommy Hunter, in that time span, sub-3 ERAs. You've had Adam Montavino be able to do a solid job as well. And for Max Scherzer, he certainly has been able to do a great job. of will be able to get those swings and misses, being able to get 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. But for Scherzer, he has given up 4-plus runs in 2 out of his last 3 starts. And for Patrick Corbin, he's given up 4-plus in 7 out. His last nine starts for the turkey tosser himself. He's given up right around 1.7 home runs per nine. And he said, You just take a look at how deplorably bad it is for Corbin with his 17 losses. His ERA goes to an. 883 on the road with opponents hitting a 379 off of him. And he's not backed up by a great bullpen either. This is a Nationals bullpen that ranks in the bottom 10 in terms of ERA. Steve Cicek has north of a 4 ERA. Carl Woods Jr. along with Kyle Finnegan have been relatively solid. And to surprise, Hunter Harvey, he's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA as well. But Jake McGee has been terrible wherever he's been. He's got north of a 6 ERA. So I think that this is a spot in which the Mets wind up being able to light the... Turkey tosser himself ablaze, and I do think that the Nationals do scrape across a few runs against the New York Mets as well. They've got good familiarity with Max Scherzer, so the DK Nation pick is going to be on the over in this spot. I just can't advise for the Washington Nationals in this spot. I really wish I could take a shot on plus 350. Patrick Corbin just stinks that bad. So it's a mess. wrong line here. And once again, try to reduce the juice if at all possible. A team total over, a first five team total over, something of that nature. Do whatever you can to bind up reducing the juice. You don't want to be playing right around about, like, minus 425 here, but I do like the mess. and with the DK Nation pick, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. 957, 958 on the bank board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals playing to the Chicago Cubs. As Drew Smiley is going to be going for the Cubs, and... Wayno Adam Rainwright, He is on the bump for Saint Louis. Saint Louis. Anywhere between minus two dollar and minus two ten favorites, and plus one eighty to plus one eighty five is your number on the Cubs. Seven and a half is your total. The overs anywhere between minus one ten and minus one fifteen. The under is anywhere between minus one hundred five and minus one ten. And with the Cardinals, do you mind saying them as a minus 224 favorite? You've had Evan Wainwright be absolutely tremendous when he has been at home this season. As a matter of fact, his home and road splits are some of the more demonstrative that you're going to find out there in the big leagues as he's been having his ERA drop by nearly half when he has been at home and he's going up against a guy in Drew's Viley that just has not been able to generate the swings and misses than he has in the past. Right around 7.4 strikeouts per nine innings out to his credit, he's only given up right around two walks. Per nine innings, he's had a couple of starts against the St. Louis Cardinals and against the Cardinals this season. He would do a relatively solid job posting up a twenty nine ERA in the seven innings that he's pitched, so relatively small sample size, but three forty eight road ERA compared to two eighty six home ERA for our good friend Mr. Smiley. Meanwhile, for Adam Wainwright, does a great job with just being able to limit the walks. Since the beginning of the year, take out the first two months of the season, he's got a sub 2.5 walks. Per 9 innings rate. Take a look at what he's been able to do just in his most recent starts in general. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to lock down 9 walks in 32 and 2 thirds innings while giving up just 1 home run along the way with a 2.15 home area compared to a 4.31 area on the road for the season And His home runs per 9 rate at home is a 0.5. He's backed up by a very solid lineup that includes Paul Goldschmidt, Alonso and Arenado Going into Friday, a pair that has been able to generate 61 home runs. Arenado hitting right around a 3.07 and Goldschmidt, North of a 4'10 on base. Lars Newt since the All-Star break has been inning north of a 260. And Brandon Donovan at home has been inning well above a 350. He has been very solid. In St. Louis this season, Tommy Edmond, 26 on basis. He does a good job of being able to move the line as well. Whenever you've had Albert Pujols out there post-all-star break, he's been hitting darn near a 400 eh? For the Chicago Cubs, Patrick Wisdom. He has been the main home run hitter for this team. He's been out of the full list. He's currently on the injured list. And Wilson Gutierrez wanted to getting the day off yesterday as well. So you wind up having one guy with north of 13 home runs for the season in ENF be out there in the full. And perhaps along the Contreras, both of these guys are right around at 350 on base, and you do have a trio of guys: and Nick Madrigal, C. A. Suzuki, Christopher Morel, in between about a two. 45 to a 258, and the corner has been able to move the line as well, but for the Cubs, bullpen has been relatively brutal for the team, as you had Brandon Hughes be able to give you some solid production with right around a three ERA. Michael Rucker hasn't necessarily been too terrible, but Eric Yeoman, he's seen his ERA go north of a 5 And For the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got Ryan Helsley back in the fold, sub-two ERA are deal you know, with an injury to Genesis Cabrera, Packy Naughton currently out of the fold as well, so this does wind up hurting the team a little bit, but still a bullpen that I feel like you're able to have a little bit of trust in as Ever since he wanted getting moved from the Pittsburgh Pirates, Chris Drain has been a little bit better for this bunch as well. So I do like the St. Louis Cardinals on the run line in this spot. And if you are taking a look at that St. Louis Cardinals run line, finding it right around even money. I was willing to lay a small number more on about a minus 115 with the Cardinals on the run line. So that is where I'm going to be looking at. With the total set my total at an 8.1. So looking over as well, 9.59, 9.60 on the Baltimore. The Miami Marlins at the red off against the Atlanta Braves as we got Jake Odorizzi going for the Bravos and Edward Cabrera is going to be on the bump for Miami. 7.5 is your total over and under. I think between minus 105 and minus 115. Between minus 190 and minus $2 is your price on Atlanta. Between plus 170 and plus 175 is the number on Miami. And he needed at least a plus 165 to be able to take a shot on Miami. And we have been able to get there. I have been so impressed by Edward Cabrera. Now, I know that with betting on the Miami Marlins, I am going to need this to be a very low-scoring game, but I have all the faith in the world that Edward Cabrera can turn a nice start. Now, he got lit ablaze in his last start against the LA Dodgers. He gave up 600 runs in that start, but in his previous four starts it's coming off the injured list, he literally gave up zero runs. Now, he wound up giving five and two-thirds innings or fewer in three out of those four starts, but he literally, in the span of four starts, gave up zero runs while Giving up eight hits. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible what he's doing. He does wind up knocking himself out of games a little bit early because he does wind up giving up right around four and a half walks per nine innings. That is a little bit of a bugaboo for him, but he's been able to do some amazing work. And it's not like he's backed up by the world's worst bullpen, as Doom, Floral, Long, Richard Blyer have been able to do a solid job in the bullpen. Steven Oakert, maybe have got a sub three ERM for the inline race. We've been seeing this bullpen act up a little bit as Jackson Steven has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. You've been seeing A.J. Minter start to regress a little bit. I do like what I've been seeing out of Tyler Madzik, but when it comes to the Atlanta Braves offense, seeing Austin Riley be able to bounce back, that is solid. He wound up having a home run in back-to-back games in that series against the Colorado Rockies, but he wound up going through a stretch of like 30 days in which he wound up having two home runs. As you do have Riley, Dansby Swanson, coupled with Michael Harris II, between about a 285 to a 300. You've had Von Grisham do a solid job He'll be able to move the line, Ronald Cunha Jr., great on base percentage. And then you've got Marcelo Zuna now back in the fold as well. That should be able to help them out of long battles and it's twenty-five plus home runs. And for the Miami Marlins, they do not have a healthy player right now with more than seven home runs. I wish I could put it any other way, but they don't. Jacob Stallings, Luin Diaz, you're able to throw in there. J.J. Bellady, these are guys that should not be getting at bats, but you do have Garrett Cooper. You do have Joey Wendell, a pair of guys are able to move the line, hitting north of a 250. and Charles LeBlanc has been able to above a 300 as well, so you do have a couple of redeeming qualities there. It's a case in which you are going to need Edward Cabrera to be able to turn a nice start, and for Jacob DeResey, he's already went up against the Miami Marlins once, and it is a case in which Jacob DeResey, not necessarily the world's greatest starter in the world. as He's got a 390 ERA. He's only getting right around 6.8 strikeouts per nine innings, but has not necessarily been great. Has not necessarily been terrible. 366 road ERA, if you include his time with the Houston Astros this season. Giving up on the road right around one over run per nine innings. I think that he's going to be able to do a competent job, and I think that he holds the me Marlins, too. But they've been scoring in a lot of games. Three runs as entering into Friday, they had scored three runs of fear in 27 out of their last 30 games. So semi total at 6.7. I am certainly looking at the under in this spot, but with the Miami Marlins getting north of a plus 170, I do think that presents some value. So looking fish and looking at the under 961, 962 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers at the Red Face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. That Ball Madison Bumgarner is going to be going for the Snakes and. Corbin Burns is on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, anywhere between minus 168 to minus 175 favorites. Between plus 148 and plus 158 is your number on Arizona. 7.5 to to 8 is your total. On the 8, under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 7.5, the over is minus 115. And the under is minus 105. And for Corbin Burns, it's been a rough stretch for him. He's given up five plus runs in each out of his last two starts. That does not compare to Mad Bum, who has been really living up to his name. Giving up at least five runs in each out of his last six starts, it has been about as bad as bad gets. So this is a circumstance in which I'm going to be willing to trust in the Milwaukee Brewers, and I think that we wind up seeing the old Corbin Burns. As I did wind up seeing him as north of a two dollar favorite. If you're looking at the run line of the Brewers, you're able to get that right around about a minus one of five. I was willing to lay a significantly higher number. I was willing to go up to right around a minus one forty. So I'm going to be with Jacksonville. So to... because what hurts Madison Bumgarner all the further is that. The Brewers are currently number three in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis. A trio of guys going into the Friday night matchup with at least 23 home runs at Hunter Renfro, Rowdy Tellez, William Damas, you have been able to get much more in terms of being able to reach base and just overall batting average from quite a few of these guys as well as Colton Wong, Jace Peterson, Christian Yelich, Hunter Renfro I mentioned earlier. All these guys sitting above a 250 do don't necessarily have that one table setter, but Yelich starting to become that. Andrew McCutcheon, he's been able to do his Solid job would be to move the lineup for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Very interesting. Home and road splits with regards to their power bats. As they average right around 1.3 home runs per game on the road at home, it's a little bit under a home run per game. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to get anything from the shortstop in a warmer defoe as they're looking to get a little bit more average in the fold as Keaton Marte has been able to get about a 250 along with Alec Thomas. Emmanuel Rivera, since he's come over from the Kansas City Royals, has been a good cog as well, but thus they've actually sold off a little bit of their power as the only guy with more than 11 home runs for the season that was in the starting lineup on Friday. Christian Walker, 31 bombs. Since the all break, he's been a bit above a 250. so that has been very solid for them, but also with the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is a bullpen that, behind Madison Bumgarner, who is no longer getting strikeouts, and with Madison Baumgartner, he's getting right around 6 per 9 innings. And on top of that, you take a look at what he's been able to do at home. It's been a little bit better than on the road. But 4.55 home ERA compared to a 5.37 road ERA with 12 overruns. Give it up in 83 innings at home this season. Bullpen is not great either. As you've had Joe Mantiply be able to supply a sub-3 ERA. And Ian Kennedy. He's been able to give you right around about a 320 ERA as well, but guys like Reyes Moranta along with Kevin Ginko, Luis Frias, Caleb Smith, these are guys with north of a 4-5 ERA. And for the Milwaukee burst, finding a role for some of these guys is going to be important, but Brian Boxberger, sub-3 ERA, you've been able to get some relatively good production as well out of Devin Williams, who's given up three earned runs over the course of his last 42 appearances. Taylor Rogers was incredibly unlucky towards the middle part of the season. He should be able to shape up Matt Bush. He's got a 333 ERA overall, so I do think that the Brewers should have a relatively big leg up. I'm going to be willing to take them on the run line in this spot, and I want to mention it with our good friend over there at Covers, Josh. It's just a case of which I've got to be taking a look at the over because there's a chance that Madison Bumgarner winds giving up just five plus runs all by himself, and then you've got this deplorable bullpen. Somebody told an inning Point three, looking over and looking Brewers run line. 963-964 on the bank board. The Slam Diego Padres have to face off against the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers and Monet is on the bump for the Padres. Padres are finding themselves underdogs of a plus 180 to a plus 185 in between minus 205 and minus 210 is your number on the Dodgers. 8.5 is your total over and under. Both at minus 110 and Take a look at the Dodgers on the run line. Find that at a minus 105, and I'm willing to nibble for the Dodgers. In all but 12 of their wins, they have been able to win by multiple runs, and they've got 90 on the season. And going up against a guy in Manea, which it's not going well for him. For Shamanea, much more was expected of him this season. He's giving up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings. His strikeouts are still there. He's been able to give you right around nine strikeouts per nine innings. Walks. They aren't great, they aren't terrible, they're hovering right around 3, but on the road, 563 ERA, giving up 11 home runs and 70 in the 3rd innings. Opponents are getting 264 off of him. His velocity has just been all over the place. I don't know if there's something going on with him. I would hope so, because this is not the Shamanea that we all know and love. Meanwhile, Ulio Rias has just been a bulldozer recently. A guy with, in his last 5 starts, a 090 ERA, giving up 3 runs across 30 innings. So, he has been tremendous with that regard, a buck 76 $1.76 now. He's actually been a little bit better on the road, right? Rather than at home, the last two seasons in general. This year, 264 home ERA compared to a 207 ERA on the road. Giving up at home right around about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. So I do think that there's going to be a few runs here for the San Diego Padres. as you've got a trio of guys who will be able to give you at least 22 home runs this season. And Brendan Durie, Juan Soto, Manny Machado. And then past that, you do have Josh Bell being able to move the line, hitting a 280. So it's coming over to San Diego. It's been a little bit of a slog, but Austin Nola, some Kim... Jake Cronin with Jerickson Profar. These guys are in between about a 240-255. to And Kim has actually been able to get a little bit above that. But for the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, Joey Gallo, Cody Bellinger. Throw in there Will Smith, Trey Turner. All these guys have been able to give you between 15 and 19 home runs. And then we haven't mentioned Mookie Betts. 32 home runs at the leadoff spot. Hitting right around about a 280. So he's been able to do a great job now. You do have Muncy along with Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger. in a 225 or lower. But still got a lot of production with this Dodger And then when it comes to the bullpen of the LA Dodgers, you've got a lot of guys that have been sort of unsung heroes for this bullpen as You've had Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips, and Alex Vesea up there their David Price, all providing a sub-275 ERA. Meanwhile, Craig Kimbrell has been the biggest albatross in that bullpen north of a 4 ERA. Just has not been great. Heath Embry is the guy that you're looking to for innings as well. And Phil Beckford, he just has not really been able to find it all season long as well. But for the Padres, Josh Hader, ever since he's come over to the Padres has right around about a 20 ERA, and I'm not even kidding. When I wind up saying that, Roberts Rodriguez has gotten his ERA down to about a 3. Steven Wilson, he's been a little bit up and down all season long, but no faith here Sean Manea, I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to slug their way to victory, and I do think that they're really going to be able to get to Manea in this spot. tell it at 8.7, looking over, and with the Dodgers, with the way that they've been able to cover run lines all season long, I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 120 with regards to that run line. As we go 965-966 on the betting board, the Walker-Texas Rangers hit the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox Brian Bayo is going to be going for the Red Sox to be determined It's on the bump. For the Rangers, this is a spot that is off the board. Got to figure that it's going to be some sort of bullpen game here for the Rangers. You're probably trotting out there someone like an A.J. Alexi. I was seeing on Fangraph's Colby Allard. If he does mind him going, he's probably not going to be lending a lot of length either. So probably some form of a bullpen game after Dallas Keuchel was able to give them a few innings. He... Got lit up along the way because that's what Dallas Keuchel does. But he went a few innings. But for the Texas Rangers, ever since the All-Star break, this has been one of the worst bullpens in the big leagues. Brock Burke along with Matt Moore have been able to supply a sub-250 ERA. Jonathan Hernandez has been up and down. He's not seeing his ERA approaching four. Jose Leclerc has actually been okay for the team, but not been a great bullpen. Koji Iahara might be a little bit of a candidate to start either this game or on Sunday as well. And boy, that is not good. And I would honestly downgrade the Rangers if they go Koji Iahara rather than with a bullpen game, which right now got the Red Sox minus 155 on the money line and jenner less, looking at an 10 and a to the under. But Man, not great pitching there. And then for Mr. Brian Bayo, it was a really rough run for his first few starts. And if you look at his minor league numbers, he gave up a couple too many walks, but he's got good electrifying stuff. He was able to get north of 11 punch outs per nine innings. He certainly has struggled with the command. here at the big league level right around five and a half walks per nine innings, but he has been able to do a solid job getting right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. in his five starts has yet to give up a single home run, so that's a little bit encouraging. In his last two starts, he gave up combined five runs over the course of nine innings against Neiman as a Twins and the Toronto Blue Jays, so signs of life there. Now, I will say he has pitched Mr. Bayo in seven games this season. The Red Sox have lost all seven, but they also are going up against that Rangers team that I mentioned. Deplorable bullpen. Now, with the Rangers, they've got a very solid offense as you've got Corey Seager, Nate Low, Adolis Garcia, Marcus Simeon. I'll give you at least twenty home runs with Simeon, Seager, Garcia. They're all in between about a two forty-five to about a two fifty-five, and then Low, he's been able to above a three hundred. You've had Leody Tavares move the line, hitting nearly a three hundred. Bubba Thompson at the bottom of the fold has been nice, but you do take a look at this Boston Red Sox team. Andrew Borgers, he's sitting above 300. You've been able to get some great home run production out of Rafael Devers. He's been able to supply north of 25 bombs. He's sitting at 290, and then Alex Verdugo, Christian Arroyo, both of these guys sitting between about a 285, 295. Tommy Pham, along with Trevor Story, both that's 15 home runs apiece. Story, fresh off the injured list. That helps the team out a little bit. For the Red Sox, they themselves, worst bullpen in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break has got a lot of guys that are posting up near the 5 ERA like Jersic Familia, Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier. These guys have been absolutely terrible. Caleb Ort Someone that you don't want any part of, and Matt Stram, he wound up having to come out of the bullpen yesterday after. It was a relatively short start for Nick Bavetta. So that does wind up taxing this Red Sox team a little bit in terms of their bullpen, which is why I am a little bit higher on my total. So I tell at 10.3, 10 or less, looking at an over 10.5 or higher to the under end with the Red Sox. Made them a minus 156 favorite on the money line, plus 127 on the run line, 967, 968 on the betting board. It is the New York Yankees. They are on the road. They're facing off against. The Tampa Bay Rays says that Kluber, Corey Kluber, is going to be going. For the Rays, and you've got Clark Schmidt who's going to be on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves as mid sized underdogs in this spot. You're going to be finding them anywhere between about a plus 122 to a plus 125. Anywhere between minus 135 and minus 145 is your number on the Rays, with the total at anywhere between half and a half and eight. On the seven and half over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the eight, under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130. The over is anywhere between even and plus 110. And when it comes to the Yankees, I needed at least a plus 133 to be able to take a shot here in a little bit of no man's land right now. And if you do take a look at the run line in this circumstance, right now you're fighting the Tampa Bay Rays right around about a plus 150 to a plus 155 on the run line. If anything, that's probably something that I'd be looking to target. I would rather see this either come down to where the Rays are a minus 133 or less, or I would like to see the Yankees might end up getting amplified a little bit more. So I'm right now in holdout mode. If anything, I'd be looking to take right around about a plus 155 with the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line. But with that said, that is pretty much the absolute minimum that I would need to be able to take a Tampa Bay Rays run line, laying a run a half as. It is a yankee team, of which they still have one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. That's Ron Medanacchio, Wandy Peralta, Clay Holmes, all these guys giving you a sub-3 ERA. And yes, Clay Holmes, he's fresh off the injury list. And Lou Trevino has actually been able to do a solid job ever since he's come over with the New York Yankees, posting up a buck twenty seven ERA, but with the Yankees... This is a little bit of a broken offense right now. Four runs or fewer, and now 16 out of the last 20 games. This has got to be a little bit concerning. Aaron Judge is on his part. north of not the 50 home runs this season. Nearly a 400 on base. Andrew Benatendi is hitting it through Aaron. But you've got a lot of guys like Aaron Hicks, who I know many Yankees fans do not like, along with... John Carlos Stanton, Josh and Anthony Rizzo. Hitting in that neighborhood about a 215 to a 230 as well. De Cabrera has an necessarily been able to supply a lot as well. DJ LeMayu, you can tell that he's playing intraday for the Tampa Bay race. They've been able to really ramp things up with their offenses. Manuel Margot is back. He's hitting a 300 Harold Ramirez. He's been hitting more in that pocket of a 330. And then Randy Otto's Arena along with Isaac Paredes. 13 home runs apiece. Bottom of the fold, guys like Christian Bethencourt, Taylor Walls, Paredes, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, they have not been able to really get on base for the scene, but the Rays, they themselves do an amazing job with this bullpen, as Jason Adam has been able to supply a sub-Buck 50 ERA, JT Chargois, along with Pete Fairbanks have come off the injured list, both of these guys have been able to supply a sub-2 ERA Colin Pooch brooks Riley, I like what I've been able to see out of them, so I do think that it's an interesting circumstance, especially with the fact that you got Clark Schmidt, who's going to be getting the start for the Yankees, and his last start against the Oakland A's, did not wind up going as planned, as he actually did a relatively solid job in long relief for the Yankees, but every time Time, they wind up giving him a start. He makes like your buddy at the bar and cannot wind him doing a lot. Got seven strikeouts and four and a third innings gets the Oakland A's, but also gave up four runs along the way. That has been really the Clark Schmidt experience. And then you take a look at Corey Kluber, and he has made a trio of starts against them. He has given up in that time span, five runs, three, of which were earned over the course of 18 innings. And he just does a great job of being able to go deep into games because it's averaging right around 1.4 walks per nine innings. He only does wind up getting right around 8 punch outs per 9 innings, but he's a former Yankee that actually knows these guys very well. And as a result, I do want to be taking a look at the race in some form or capacity, whether it be right around like a minus 133 on the money line or more on a plus 155 plus 160 on the run line. I am taking a look at the race in this spot, and I do wind up saying my total at a 7.7 out of 7.5 I'd be looking at it over. Currently, all I have available to me is 8, so we'll be looking at an 8 under, looking at the race, whether it be money line or run line, that'll be based on late night line movement. 960 9970 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers playing against the Kansas City Royals. John Heasley is going to be going for the Royals, and Michael Pineda is going to be going for the Tigers, and the Tigers are in a pick-em game. You're going to be finding them in between minus 105 and minus 110 with the Royals. are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110 with 8 to 8.5 being your total. On the NF under 120. The over even. On the 8, overs is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105, and When it comes to the Royals, I did wind up saying them as a plus 136 underdog. I do recognize that Michael Pineda has not made a start in a while for the Detroit Tigers, but I do think that he's going to be able to come out and be able to land a relatively solid start. He is a pro's pro in that respect, and for Michael Pineda, has always well, been a guy that has been able to do a solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. That is, until this season, in which he went up giving up over two home runs per nine innings. Walks have not been a factor. He's been giving up right around 1.3 walks per nine innings, and he's got very interesting splits. 326 home area compared to a 1022 road area. He has spent much of the season on the injury list, and all six of his walks have come at home as well, so just saying a look at this, a little bit hilarious, but I just have no faith in John Heasley whatsoever. We talk about the walks and the lack of them for Michael Pineda. Right now for Heasley, he's given up right around four and a half walks. Per nine innings, on the road, he's been a little bit better than at home, 496 road ERA compared to a 545 ERA at home. But on the road, he's given up more than two home runs per nine innings himself. He is backed up by the worst bullpen in terms of ERA in the American League. And post-All-Star break, it's been a bottom-two team in terms of bullpen ERA as well as Luke Weaver, is someone that they're looking to for innings, he and Amir Garrett seeing up north of five years this season, Carlos Hernandez has moved to the bullpen. He has been absolutely terrible for this team. Wound up seeing a relatively high-scoring game yesterday as Salvador Perez has really been able to pick it up. He's been able to do a solid job with 19 Omar runs. He and Bobby Wood Jr., both in that 18-19 Home run fold, but you don't necessarily have a lot of average with this team. Silvio Rivero, along with Nick Prado, Nate Eaton, Kyle Isabel, MJ Melendez, all these guys are in a 225 or lower. Which junior has been able to about a 250, and Michael Bassey sitting right around a 285. But you also have that with the Detroit Tigers as Tucker Barnard, the newly recalled Spencer Torkelson, Cody Clements, Akeel Badu, Shamir Candelario, Jonathan Scope, all hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch. Yeah, have been able to get a little bit more out of Miguel Cabrera, Long with Riley Green, inning between about a 255-260. to a 260. And hey, Javi Baez and Jameer Candelario both have 12 home runs apiece. So congratulations for the Tigers. We're getting a couple home runs there. But with the Tigers, you do have to like this bullpen. They did wind up using up Andrew Chafin yesterday, but had a lot of guys being able to supply the goods. As Jason Foley, Jose Serrano Joey Menez. These are guys posting up a sub-33 ERA. Gregory Soto has been a little bit hot and cold. Recently, but still a whole heck of a lot better than what the Royals are able to trot out there. This is a circumstance in which I'm willing to trust in the Detroit Tigers, despite the fact that Pineda just has not been able to get out there on the mound too much this season. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game. did why I'm saying my total at an 8.1. I've got mostly it's available to me, so I'm going to be taking a look at an 8 over. And when it comes to this spot, I'm willing to lay it with the Detroit Tigers. 971, 972 on the betting board. It is the Oakland Ace. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. As Austin Boath is going to be going for the Orioles. And Adam Muller is on the bump for Oakland. We did not know the starters until the evening time. So this is a game that is presently off the board. But I've got my handicap of the Orioles. Minus 226 on the money line. Minus 117 on the run line. And made my total in 8.2 to where in 8 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over Eight and a half or higher. I'm going to be taking a shot on the under end. When it comes to Austin Both, I do think that he's going to be able to come out and do a relatively solid job. For this bunch. You take a look at the length that he's been able to land. Five innings or more in each out of his last five starts, and he's really been able to lock in. He has given up two runs of fear in each out of his last four starts while being able to land that length. This guy was just absolutely terrible with Washington National starts beginning part of the season where he wound up having north of a 10 ERA. Ever since coming over to Baltimore, that has dropped to a 272. Strikeouts for 9 rate, not necessarily like just out of this world with right around 7.7, 7.8 strikeouts for 9 innings, but has been able to do a very solid job in Baltimore all season long, giving up right around one home run per 9 innings, and then for Adam Aller, he's been able to improve a little bit recently. 8 scoreless innings against the New York Yankees, and 3 runs of fear surrendered in each out of his last 4 starts. Also, keep in mind, one of those starts were against the Miami Marlins. With Aller, you do have to have the fear with the guards to command. 4.5 walks per 9 innings, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is currently a little bit banged up. Danny Jimenez, it looks like has went back on the injured list for this team. They still have Sam Maul, AJ Puck, Domingo Acevedo providing a sub 3-3 ER. But guys like Nojé Ruiz, Kirby Sneed, they're not getting the job done for the team. Joe Pyeyams has been a little bit up and down. And for the Oakland A's, this has been a pretty deplorable offense all season long. Seth Brown, launch on Murphy, both of been able to give you 18 home runs apiece. And for Murphy, it's been about a 255. But among guys with at least 50 of bats as far this the season, only guy that's really hitting above a 250 is guys like Jonah Bry, Tony Kemp, Seth Brown, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Shea Lengolaris. These are guys in between about a 220 to 230. Meanwhile, for Baltimore, relatively good balance with regards to this lineup. Brian McKenna, Anthony Santander, able to throw in there Austin the Say's kid, Ramon Urias. These guys are in between about a 250 to 260. Cedric Mullins, spending more around a 265 And then You've been able to get 18 home runs at right around 245 average out of Ryan Mountcastle as well. Adeline Brushman has been able to do a good job of moving the lineup for the Orioles. Just a tremendous bullpen as Keegan Aiken, Dylan Tate, Siena Perez, Felix Bautista, Joy Crebio. These guys are posting up a sub 3-3 three, three area as well. So I do think that the Orioles should be able to continue their dominance in this spot. This is a circumstance in which I'm going to be willing to lay a little bit on the run line. As I mentioned, this is a spot in which I wound up setting the Orioles minus 117 on the run line. 8 or less looking at an over 8.5 half higher to the underhand with the Orioles. They wind up making them a favorite of minus 226 on the money line. 973, 974 on the betting board. It is the Minnesota Twins. They hit the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. As Dylan Cease is going to be going for the Sox, and you got Tyler Molly on the bump for the Twins. The Twins are finding themselves as underdogs of anywhere between plus 115 and plus 145. Anywhere between minus 130 and minus 140, your number on the Chicago White Sox. You've got 7.5 as your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And I did wind up saying my total at a 6.9. Dylan Cease has been absolutely supreme for this White Sox team all season long, getting over 12 strikeouts for 9 innings, and has really been able to do a solid job home and road, and ironically enough, he's actually been a little bit worse when he's been at home rather than when he has been on the road. As overall for the season, posting up a 2.27 ERA with his 12 and 6 record. Big issue that you do have with Cease right around about 3.7, 3.8 walks for nine innings, but a 2.66 home ERA, buck 78 ERA on the road. 10 out of his 14 overruns runs winding up coming at home, but opponents throwing just right around about a buck 93 off of him. And then for Tyler Molly, it's a case of which he's coming off the underlist making his first start since August 7. 7- so it's going to be a little bit hot and cold there. He has made three starts for the Twins ever since getting dealt from the Reds and in that span, he has given up three home runs but just four total runs as well. He's been able to do a solid job of be able to reduce on the walks which has been a little bit of a bugaboo for him as well. As so Overall for the season, he has been giving up right around 3.4 to 3.5 walks for nine innings, but his ERA outside of Cincinnati this season has been right around about a 3 4. So, just getting out of great American ballpark in general has been tremendous for him. Now, the Minnesota Twins, they are a team that is dealing with an injury to Byron Buxton. main matchup for this team, 28 home runs. That line's hurting them, but you've got guys that are able to move the line as. Carlos Correa, Jose Miranda, Nick Gordon, Gio Shell. These are guys hitting between about a 268 to 280. You've got Correa being able to slug out a double digit amount of formers. They are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Ode Palanco. He's been able to give you right around 15 home runs as well. Gilberto Cesino, another guy that moves the line at Luis Arias, right around a 385 on base at the top of the fold. And for the White Sox, they do a good job of being able to get on base as Eloy Menace, Jose Reu, and dravon they're all hitting at least a 280 for the team, but lack of power with the team as Vaughn, Jose Reu, a pair of guys sitting between 14 and 15 home runs, they're right now leading the way. Need a little bit more out of guys like Josh Harrison, AJ Pollock, along with Elvis Andrews, hitting between about a 242, 245 for the season due to that lack of power, but they do a solid job being able to move the line, and for the Chicago White Sox, they want to be utilizing Joe Kelly as a little bit of an opener yesterday, and Davis Martin from there was able to actually do a halfway decent job. Job. I'm not sure why they want trying to pull that stuff. That seems like a Tony La Russa move, but I do think that they wound up getting a little bit of a boost from that. And you do have Kendall Graham and Liam They're very trustworthy in the 8th and ninth innings. And then Failed starters: Jimmy Lambert, Renaldo Lopez. Both of these guys have been supplying a sub-three ERA out of the bullpen, so that has been good to see for this team as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, bullpen has been a little bit all over the place as well. Giovanni Morin is back at the big league level. He's been able to do a solid job along with Johan Duran. It was a guy that, in terms of relievers, leads the big leagues in terms of pitches thrown at 100-plus miles per hour. Both of these guys giving out a sub 2-3 ERA killed. Theobar over the last 35 days. His ERA has been sub 2. Michael Fulmer has been solid since coming over at the trade deadline along with Ode Lopez. So, I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, but I do think the Dylan C's going to go out there, going to dominate a Minnesota Twins team that they are dealing with quite a few injuries right now. So, I do mind to say the White Sox minus 160 on the money line really don't want to mess with the run line because I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game so by tell at 6.9. So, looking under and looking White Sox on the money line. 975-976 on the betting board. It is the Seattle Mariners they are on the road facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. Xavier Curry is going to be going for the Guardians, and Robbie Ray is going to be on the bump for the MZ Mariners are finding themselves as favorites of anywhere between minus 115 to minus 120, even money to plus 105. Your number on Cleveland, 7.5 is the total. The over is anywhere between minus 115 to minus 120. The is anywhere between even a minus 105, and I do mind saying my total at a 7.7. Just not a lot of faith here to be had with Xavier Curry. He's made one start thus far this season, and In that one start, it's not like he necessarily Wind up doing a supreme job, and it's a Cleveland Guardians bullpen that it's just badly taxed after what we wanted up seeing yesterday. Now, you do wind up having a scenario where we do wind up having September call-ups, so you do wind up having a little bit of help in terms of this bullpen, but for Mr. Xavier Gurry, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be going the greatest from Is at the minor league level between AA and triple-A. He's been posting up a four ERA this season, giving up three walks per nine innings. Command is not necessary there. 8.7 strikeouts per nine innings. You'd expect to be a little bit better and when we wound up going up to the triple-a level that dropped to right around 8.3 punch outs for nine innings north of four walks for nine innings this guy does not seem ready for the big leagues Meanwhile, Robbie Ray, I do recognize home and road splits with him, and I do recognize the fact that he does wind up giving up the depot, but at the very least, we know that he's ready for the big leagues. With Robbie Ray, he's been giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings overall for the season, and that gets heightened on the road. 249 home 525 ERA on the road, and on the road, he's been giving up a little bit over two bombs per nine innings, but no better team to face off against than the Cleveland Guardians, a team that they're averaging right around 0.6 home runs per game when they're at home. They actually have the fewest Home home runs of any team in baseball right now. You do have Jose Ramirez. He's been able to still got 26 home runs, and then you've got a pair of guys that have 15 apiece in Josh Naylor, coupled with Andres Jimenez. You've got Naylor hitting right around 260, and then Jimenez, who I mentioned before, Jose Ramirez, Amid Rosario, Steven Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez. These are guys hanging at least at 280 for the team, and then the bottom does wind up falling out a little bit, but for the Seattle Manor, Ty France, he's been beginning to give the team some nice production, hanging at 285. Cal Raleigh doesn't do a great job in terms of average, but two home runs yesterday. He's got 21 for the season, as he, Julio Rodriguez, and Eugenio Suarez, all have north of 20 home runs. Now for the campaign, you have been able to have Jesse Winker provide a 340 on base, even though the batting average has happened great and since the beginning of the month of June. The Seattle Mariners, number one in terms of bullpen ERA, Diego Castillo, along with Andres Munoz, who had rough starts of the year. They've been able to pick it up. Eric Swanson, Paul Sewall, Penn Murphy, all these guys. have been able to give you a sub-275 ERA as well. Matthew Festa is starting to give you some nice innings. And for the Cleveland Guardians, I like this bullpen, but they had to draw it out there, a lot of their pieces. Yesterday, I do like Nick Samlin, a long-term receiving, giving you a sub-3 ERA, Emmanuel Clase has been lights out, and James Karinczyk, be able to do a solid job as well, but this is a scenario in which I just don't think that Xavier Curry should be getting the start. I feel like the Mariners should be closer to right around about a minus 138-ish favorite, so I'm going to be willing to lay the money line here with the Seattle Mariners, and it is a scenario in which I do think that this needs to affect the total as well. This was a total that before we wound up seeing all the moves that were made because I think that it was supposed to be Aaron Savali in this spot. I was looking at a total that at a 7.5, I'd be taking a look at the under. Now at a 7.5, I'm taking a look at it. And over as I set my total more around a 7.9. So, I'm going to be taking a look at the Seattle Manners in this spot. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. 977, 978 on the betting board. It is the Houston Astros on the road. Basic off against the LA Angels. As Showtime, Shohei Otani is going to be on the bump for the Halos, and you've got Luis Garcia it's going to be on the bump for the Astros. A relative pick-em game here as you're finding the Angels starting to get the money after they wind up opening up as slight underdogs. In between minus 110 and minus 120 on them. Between even money and minus 105 to plus 105, your number on Houston. Seven half to 8 is your total. On the seven 7.5, over is any between minus 120 and minus 130. The under is any between even a plus 110. Meanwhile, on the 8, under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. I do wind up saying my total at 6.9. I do think that this is going to be a relatively low-scoring game. Otani has been able to mow them down all season long. 12 strikeouts per nine innings. And for Ohtani, the last two seasons, he has really been able to do his best pitching when he has been at home. As you take a look at it, 232 home ERA compared to a 305 ERA on the road. At home, he's given up a little bit less than a home run per nine innings. And on top of that, the command has been relentless. Right around 1.7 walks per nine innings when he has been at home this season. Opponents overall are hitting a 2.14 off of him. And then you take a look at Luis Garcia. He's been able to do a great job on the road. Last season, he had an ERA that was right around 1.6 points lower when he was at home rather than on the road. Complete reversal this season. 492 home area, 3.26 area on the road. And a big reason why is deep ball. 7 home runs in 60 and 2 thirds innings. Give it up on the road. So right around 1 per 9 innings. And then uh, at home, 13 home runs. Give it up in 67 and 2 thirds innings. That's more around 1.6 1.7 home runs per 9 innings. Overall opponents are hanging right around about a 229 off of him. He's been able to do a good job. Getting right around 9.2, 9.3 strikeouts. Per 9 innings. But for Luis Garcia, over the course of his last 4 starts, he has given up 14 runs across 22 innings. So, a little bit of an issue on that front end for Houston. The good news is, they back him up with one of the best bullpens that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. As Seth Martinez, Brian Abreu, along with Rafael Montero and Ryan Sanek. These guys have been able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Have been able to get some good production as well out of Ryan Presley when he's been in the fold as well. Flip side for the LA Angels. Jose Cuillada has been relatively okay for this team. Ryan Tabara starting to pick it up a little bit, but has been a rough bullpen. Jose Marte is someone that they're looking to for innings, here Harrigan. He's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, but the Angels, they have also been able to fortify their offense a little bit more ever since Mike Trout has returned to the fold, as he and Joey Otani have combined 58 home runs thus far this season, with both hanging in that neighborhood about at 270. David Fletcher overall for the season, along with Luis Ranifo, also hitting right around 270, but for Fletcher and Ranifo, they've be able to fortify things towards the back half of the season, really being able to pick-it-up there, but uh, quite a few guys, like Kurt Suzuki, Mike Ford, you're able to throw in there Ryan Aguirre, Jose Rojas. These are guys that are hitting a 220 or Lauren. For the Houston Astros, great balance with regards to this lineup. Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, all between 20 and 22 home runs. Jordan Alvarez is the only a little bit of an ailment, so that does wind up hurting this Astros team a little bit, but you've got Trey Boom Boom Mancini hitting right around 260. He's got 16 home runs. Even Jasmine McCord and McMartin guys that are towards the bottom of the fold, they're getting 12 home runs apiece. The top end of the lineup for the Angels might be a little bit better, but the depth is not there in the way that it is for the Houston Astros. And with the Astros having the significantly better bullpen and Garcia, pitching much better on the road than at home, I'm on the side with the Astros. Set them as a minus-125 favorite. Think that it's going to be a low-scoring game between two superb pitchers out there in the nighttime in Los Angeles, where it becomes a little bit more pitcher-friendly. So, looking under and looking at the Astros, and we have things up with a game that's off the board, 979-980. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates playing the Toronto Blue Jays. Ross Tripling is most likely going to be going for the Blue Jays, but the reason why it's off the board is that it's TBD for Toronto, and Ronti is going to be on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you do wind up getting Mr. Ronti Contratus who's going to be going for the Pittsburgh Pirates against Ross Stripling, this would be a spot in which I'd be setting the Blue Jays right around about a minus 208-ish favorite, and on the run line, I'd be willing to lay in the neighborhood about a minus 125 to a minus 130 depending upon the bullpen ordeal here, and it would be a spot in which an 8 or less, I'd be taking a look at an over an 8.5 or higher, I would be taking a look at the under as, for do He's been able to do a very solid job all season long for the Pittsburgh Pirates when he's been out there. You can tell that they're trying to limit his innings as much as possible, but a kid with electrifying stuff, the command that is an issue, and the big reason why it is an issue. It's because it knocks himself out of games early and for the Pittsburgh Pirates it's been a very bad bullpen as currently they do not have Colin Holderman on the roster. You've been able to have Chase Young do a very solid job with about a 2 ERA as a long guy for this team but other than Will Crow it gives you right around about a 3-4 ERA. Not a lot of guys that you can trust in. Miguel sure he's still a ways away. Robert Stevenson, Juan Ramirez, these are guys that they picked up with north of five ERAs as well. And then you did take a look at Mr. Ronci Contreras overall for the season. Right around about 350-70 ERA has been giving up the deep ball with right around about 1.3-1.4 home runs. Bernan Enningson has actually been a little bit worse at home with a 378 home ERA compared to a 338 ERA on the road. But opponents made about a 232 off of him. He's been able to do a good job of being able to get swings and misses. And if you do wind up getting Ross Stripling, he has just been this steady guy for the blue jays that he gets her right around like seven strikeouts per nine and ending more like seven and a half strike for 9 innings, but has posted up a sub-3 ERA. He has been exactly what they wanted. Guys like Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi to be. Not necessarily the guy that's going to just wind up lighting it up for 8 scoreless innings on a an 8-9 basis, but is able to be solid. He's given up just 1 home run in 44 innings on the road this season, with opponents hitting about a 235 off of him. On the road he's got a 3.07 ERA, and he's backed up by a relatively solid bullpen, as well as David Phillips, you're able to throw in there Tim Mesa, their closer, Jordan Romano, Zach Pop, all these guys, ever since they have become Toronto Blue Jays, as they've acquired a lot of guys the last two off-seasons. They've been posting up sub-3 ERAs, and Simbra is right around a 340 ERA for the Blue Jays. No question, they've got the better offense. As Flagler Jr. He's been able to crank out north of 25 home runs. He's hitting about a 280 for the team. as Kirk along Florida Scurriel. Both of these guys hanging in the neighborhood about a 290, to 300 You've been able to get north of twenty home runs this season out of Matt Chapman, but is starting to pick it up, He, ask Hernandez, both hitting between about a 262, 265 and for the Pirates. And it's just all about are you going to be able to get production or not out of Brian Reynolds. He, Rodolfo Ezra, Ben Gamble, along with Michael Chavis in between about a 240 to a 255. And for Reynolds, he's been able to pump out 20 home runs this season. Nobody else really has more than 13 home runs for this bunch as Belay Madres, Topico Medicano, Tyler Heinemann, Onyel Cruz, Jax Wisniewski, Cal Mitchell, Gregory Allen, Throwing their Josh Van Meter, all ending at 215 or lower, that has really hurt this team. And then when you just wind up having no bullpen behind that pretty deplorable offense, makes it very tough to be able to take a shot there. So this is a scenario in which in eight or less, I'm going to be taking a look at an over in eight and a half or higher. I'm going to be taking a look at an under end with the Blue Jays do to up making the minus 208 on the money line. Like I said, right around about a minus 130 is where I'd be looking on the run line, depending upon the circumstances. If we do wind up getting roster playing. obviously if it's not stir playing, subject to a little bit of change. And that will wrap things up for the Saturday. Edition of the baseball betting show, now part of the Visum Family podcast. A big thanks to Josh Ingalls, who does a great job over at Covers. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like to hear him from this fine podcast, the baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways to be able to further send. First one is my Twitter timeline, at underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters him. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way, it is fine in an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to or whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. I have five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm going to be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
0: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.